What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murders. everybody to another episode of speaking of murders before we get started on today's episode a little bit of business we have another show speaking of missing persons make sure you're checking that out uh we're putting out bonus episodes every other saturday on patreon that's linked in the show notes so you can check that out there and while you're in there you can find our socials where we're posting pictures from each of our episodes including today's also if you don't mind give us five stars wherever you're listening Leave a comment, a review, share it with your friends, your family, coworkers, whoever. And if you have a case suggestion that you would like to hear on the show, send that to our email, speakingofmurders at gmail.com. So today, Sarah's going to be finishing up our Gary Ridgeway series, mini-series. It's part four, final part, right? Yes. All right. So we're going to get to hear about how he gets caught and all that? Yeah. Sweet. Let's hop right in. Okay. (laughs) So we left off with, so pretty much we spent three parts talking about a small portion of his victims and how Ted Bundy got involved in the case. In this episode, we're going to like jump around a little bit more. So just yell at me if you guys get confused. Because right. we're pretty much just talking about him. Okay. And I'm going to start at the end and we'll work our way back. Okay. So by 90, 1990, there were only five members of the task force remaining. This was due to the fact that by this point, the murders had slowed down significantly and they had no leads to go on within two years there was only two members left of the task force so by 1992 and by 2001 only one man was left on the task force when they got a dna match linking gary allen ridgeway to four of the murder victims just four Just four. I thought there was five victims that led to his capture. Nope, just four. Oh, okay. So this was because they had, like we talked about, they had taken his hair and saliva samples in 1987, and it took DNA until 2001 to become advanced enough for them to test that against semen that he had left on these four victims. Damn. Gotcha. Gary was arrested on November 16th, 2001 on prostitution charges and was put under 24-hour surveillance until they had enough to arrest him on November 30th, 2001 for the actual murder charges. Because they couldn't just be like, your DNA matches 
so we're arresting you. They needed more things to build a case against him. Okay. Before we talk about his arrest and what he was charged with, though, let's talk about him. He was born February 18th, 1949 in Salt Lake City, Utah, to parents Thomas Newton Ridgway, who I'm going to say most things said was a bus driver. There are the rare articles that will say he was a grave digger. Okay. Those very different professions. Right. Most things, though, say he was a bus driver. And his mom's name was Mary Rita Ridgway. She was a sales clerk at JCPenney's in the men's department. She helped men pick out suits. Nice. His, that'll come back later. He was the middle child of three boys, and his family moved to, uh, moved to SeaTac, Washington in 1960. So they moved, like, right by the SeaTac strip in 1960. Gary was not his mother's favorite child. That title went to his older brother, who excelled at everything he did. Gary had an IQ in the low 80s and struggled in school. This was a huge sore spot for him. And even after his arrest, the only time he showed real emotion while being interrogated is when people talked about his intelligence. Yeah, because he's not even sitting at average. No. Even though he was lacking in intelligence, Gary was really good at making friends and also getting girlfriends. Yeah, because you don't need to be intelligent for that. You need charisma. Which he had when he was young. It seemed that his mother Mary was also a pretty sore subject with Gary. According to him and relatives, she was a domineering and aggressive woman, especially towards Thomas and Gary. She was not happy with Gary's grades in school and was said to ridicule him about his intelligence. Like, she was constantly calling him stupid and worthless and a piece of crap because he wasn't as smart as his brothers. It was believed by the prosecuting attorney that Mary actually molested Gary when he was a child, but Gary has never confirmed this. He has never outwardly said she did anything like that. He did describe their relationship as awful uh, because one minute he was sexually attracted to her and the next minute he wanted to kill her slowly. It's a pretty weird relationship. Awkward, yeah. Awkward. Uh, it's an interesting... I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a weird dynamic. <laughs> No matter what happened between them, Gary spent his entire life trying to please his mother, even when he was married. One of his ex-wives said he still shared a bank account with her until he was arrested. I, that is actually not true, and we will talk about it, but it was not far off. It was said that Mary presented herself in public and in private as a in a trashy manner by dressing provocatively and wearing too much makeup. As for his father, nothing is really said about him except that he also just took Mary's abuse and didn't argue. 
he was like a very submissive guy. Okay, so hold on to yourselves. Because a huge sign of the horror that was to come from Gary happened when he was a teenager. He came across a six-year-old boy dressed as a cowboy playing with a stick in a wooded area near his house. Gary asked the boy if he wanted to build a fort. Then moments later, Gary stabbed the boy with a pocket knife in the midsection, puncturing his liver. When the boy asked why Gary killed him, which he said, why did you kill me, to Gary, Gary responded by saying, I always wanted to know what it felt like to kill someone, and walked away laughing. Did the boy die? No, he did not. He later testified in court against Gary because at the time, they had no idea who did this to him. But later when Gary was arrested, he confessed to it and the boy, now an adult, testified to the story. So he survived. He made it home. Good. And got home. Okay. Gary did not graduate high school until he was 20. Oh, okay. Due to failing two grades. Surprisingly, one thing that was never hard for him, like I said, was getting a girlfriend. Right after high school, he married his high school girlfriend, Claudia Barrows, and then he joined the Navy. The Navy would be where he encountered sex workers for the first time while stationed in the Philippines. Being married did not stop him from spending most of his free time with these women while he was overseas. And he ended up contracting gonorrhea. And this set him into a fit of rage. What did you think was going to happen? I was <laughs> say, like... Some things said he also got chlamydia. Again, what did you think was going to happen? We're talking about someone who didn't graduate till he was 20. He probably had no idea what was going to happen. He was like, oh, look, these women will have sex with me for $10. Not saying that that's how much I was just throwing out a number. I understand. Gary was not the only one, though, in this marriage that was not being faithful. The whole time he was gone, Claudia was also having an affair. Okay. Okay. Maybe that's where he got gonorrhea and chlamydia. No, because he was gone. Oh, okay. He was overseas whenever he got... His STDs. <laughs> yeah. Except she was having an affair with the same person, not multiple people, in a shack. I mean, I'm just saying. Why in a well, shack? Well, then maybe they both got I'm it pretty from the sure same they, person. They, who knows? He would later say that she turned into a whore. Oh, and this is why they divorced. But he was not. Nope. He was not a whore. She was a whore. I know, that's only that's a, that's a title only women can hold for I, some reason. I guess. I disagree. I mean, I, she was sleeping with one person. You're sleeping with God only knows how many women in the Philippines. And sh- you're calling her a whore. That's yeah. the reason you're saying you divorced. He's the whore. Yeah. Well, Gary would marry his second wife. Marsha Brown in 1973. Don't do it. (laughs) Not long after his divorce from his first wife. Don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, don't marry Gary. They would be, they 
were the ones that had a son together. So this is the mother of his son, Marsha. Uh, okay. During this marriage, Gary went a little cuckoo, okay? He decided he was going to become a fucking religious fanatic. Like, to the point where he would go door-to-door trying to convert his neighbors. He read the Bible constantly and would fall asleep holding it. Makes sense. Hearing or reading the scriptures in the Bible would bring him to tears. He was strict about making Marsha follow the rules of their church, but was still sleeping with sex workers. Of course he was. Okay, makes a whole lot of sense. You know, his religious awakening does not surprise me. No. Not in the slightest. On top of that, he was making Marsha have sex with him multiple multiple times a day and was, like, taking her on these picnics to have sex with her outdoors. Just because you were married does not mean that you have to have sex. Still rape. Okay, we're in the 70s. Still rape. She would later find out that a lot of these places he was taking her to to have sex were places he had left victims. Oh, isn't that just Uh lovely? Yeah. It's it's fucking disgusting. During the early part of their marriage, Marsha was insecure about her weight, so she decided she was going to get gastric bypass. And this helped her lose weight for the first time in her life, which gave her, like, this newfound confidence. Uh, but it just pissed Gary off and made him super fucking angry and jealous. And he started fighting with her constantly and trying to pretty much force her to stay in the house. And he didn't want other people looking at her. Because she lost a little bit of weight? Yeah. You're that fucking insecure, dude? Yeah. Marsha was not only fed up with all his sexual demands, she was also tired of Gary and his mother's drama. For their whole marriage, Mary had controlled their money. So his mom decided when they could buy things and how much money they were allowed to have. Fuck that. Hell no. Hell no. Fuck that. She would say Marsha was not doing her wifely duties so she could not be trusted with Gary's money. That makes no fucking sense. Oh my god. That makes no fucking sense. No. Wifely duties. Okay. After the couple divorced, Gary started his killing spree. Okay? He tried to say later that if he could have just killed Marsha, he would have never murdered another person. Oh, bullshit. Oh, my God. I wrote that's complete bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit. He said it was all her fault that if he could have just murdered her ass, he would have never murdered anyone else. Why couldn't he have murdered okay, Marsha? Okay, well, what, I'm not understanding the, like, what stopped that. That's what I'm he saying. He thought he would get caught. So he's, he's claiming he took his anger out on, that he had for Marsha on all these sex workers. Because he knew he could get away with killing them, but he couldn't get away with killing the mother of his child. That's fucking, oh my gosh. Not that we wanted Marsha dead. No. We were just curious. Marsha would later claim that once during an argument, Gary had put her in a chokehold and had tried to kill her. If this was true, then this was like a glimpse into what was going to come. Because he started killing not long after they got a divorce. Throughout his years of picking up women and murdering them, he kept dating. 
he met most of these women at a thing called Parents Without Partners, which was like a program at a local bar for single parents. (laughs) So he used his son to pick up women in a bar at this place. Now, this is where it was believed he met the girl that he left in the woods. Right, with the the wine and the sausage and the fish. Yes. And also at these meetings is where he would meet his third wife. Her name was Judith Lynch. And somehow she was different in Gary's eyes. The two did not get married until 1988, but they met in 1985. Now, think about that. He was killing a lot in 81, 82, 83, 84, and then he kind of slowed down in 1985. It's because he met Judith, and there was something about her that he was just obsessed with. He loved everything about her. I mean, well, that's good. And he said that his desire to kill was not as strong while he was with Judith. And even though he did still kill sometimes, it slowed down a lot. And if you, like, look at his victims list, he killed three victims after 1986. So we know he killed 49 women. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. He's confessed to killing 73 women. Only three of those women were killed after 1986. So from 81 to 86, if he's telling the truth, he killed 73 women in that time period. That's fucking insane. Police believe he killed in the 90s. 90-some women. In five years? Yeah. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Now, this is if you believe what he's saying and the fact that the police have not linked any more bodies to him. Since 86. Since, no, since the three after 86. Oh, that's right. One of them was in, remember, 1990. That's right, that's right. So it seems to be true. But who knows? They could, there could be bodies out there they just haven't found. Right. They could have been killed and just not linked to him. Who knows? That's insane. Judith would later say that Gary was her best friend. She described him as responsible, gentle, and structured. She admired the fact that he had been with Kenworth for over 30 years. And unlike his other two wives, Judith also loved his mother. There you go. Yep. She thought that his mother helping him make decisions about money and finances and things was a good thing. I guess Mary really liked her too because uh, she eventually let Judith take over the money. And talked nothing but good about Judith. She believed in Gary so much that when investigators came knocking in 1987, when they did that search and took his hair and his saliva, Judith believed Gary when he said it was just a case of mistaken identity. Because at the time, they had nothing to pin it on him, so he just got let go. 
And so he just told her, they must be mistaking me with someone else. And so I'm just going to cooperate. And then it all just got brushed away because they didn't find anything in his house or his car or at his work. So she believed him. Judith literally could not believe Gary was capable of hurting anyone because he was so good to her. In 2001, when he was arrested, she told reporters he was the perfect husband. And in the 13 years they had been married, he had n- she had never even seen him angry. The fuck? He had never even raised his voice in front of her. Maybe people do change. Mm. I don't know what it was. I really believe Samantha. It was because she got along with his mom so well. Oh, I know. That's... Yeah, he wasn't about to rock that boat. No. No, because he wanted he had... nothing but his mother's approval. Right. He got it. Yeah. He got what he wanted. Yeah. And he wasn't about to mess that up because she was actually finally thought he did something good in his life. It's disgusting. Judith stood by his side along with his brothers, their wives, and his son until he started confessing to his horrible crimes to avoid the death penalty. What a bitch. So for two years, they supported him, they helped pay for his lawyers, they fought for him, because for two years he claimed he was innocent and they had got the wrong man, and then as soon as they went death penalty or confess, he went, okay, I'll confess. How could you do that to your kid? This is when Judith could no longer deny she was married to a fucking monster and divorced him. Immediately, she divorced him. As soon as he said, okay, I'm guilty, I'll tell you everything you need to know. Well, at least, I mean, she was smart enough to do that instead of still sticking by his side. Right. Other people that knew Gary described him as a good neighbor and a friend. Co-workers said he was meticulous and hardworking, but a little strange. Like I said, Gary worked for Kenworth as a painter. At the time of his arrest, he had been working there for 32 years. This would be where police went on November 30th, 2001 to arrest him. So he was arrested at work. Not only was Gary tied to four of his victims by DNA, he would be tied to some of them because of paint chips found on their bodies that matched the paint only used by Kenworth. Yep. Their paint is patent, so it can only be used on their trucks, and he was constantly covered in it because he was a painter. As part of his plea deal, Gary had to tell investigators everything he could remember about his victims and confess to all his murders. If investigators later found a body that he had not confessed to, he would be charged with first-degree murder of the new victim and the death penalty would be on the table. Gary did not really remember a lot about his victims. We've talked about that. He mostly knew where he dumped them, where he picked them up, and if he went back to their bodies later. Those are the things he remembered. He led investigators to these dump sites and was described by the police, even Reichert, because Reichert accompanied him to every dump site that they took him to, um, as being very polite, very, like, 
trying to be very helpful i literally wrote it's just fucking weird like he was just like oh very meek and timid and like telling them saying please and thank you and i'm sorry and i think it was here but i'm not quite sure you know like acting like he's not this fucking horrible monster when asked by investigators why he killed Gary answered that it was his job to kill as many prostitutes as he could. He believed not only was this a job he was doing, but also a favor to society because in his mind, he was eliminating women he believed to be degenerates. So okay, he thought why, he was doing the world a service. But why not I don't know, kill pimps too? Kind of like Mr. Hansen. Why not kill yes. drug addicts? Or whatever. He reminds me a lot of Robert Hansen because his wife also was treated like a queen. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, why was it only women degenerates and not men degenerates That's because he's a man. Yes, and women are the only ones that ever belittled him and made him feel like crap. Yeah, pretty much. So how did we get here? How did he get away with the murders for all those years? Uh, Gary told them how he would come across as non-threatening and use pictures of his son to lure them into his truck. There were even times his son would be sleeping in the back seat while he was in the woods killing a victim or having sex with one he had already killed. Just fucking disgusting. When investigators asked what would have happened if his son would have woken up and caught him, Gary admitted he would have killed his son. You're fucking kidding me. Wait, if... I don't find that surprising. Okay, I do, because if you're not going to kill the one person you wanted to kill most, but instead went to fucking prostitutes because you could be linked to it, then why the fuck would you kill your only child? Because he values himself over anyone else. Yes, and at that point, he was in too deep. That's exactly why he didn't kill her, because there's no getting out of that. It's unavoidable. They're going to look at him. But... If his son goes missing, I'm air quoting that, then that's that. Children ran away a lot in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. It would be a lot easier to explain that away than, you know. Murdering his wife. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And he could still protect his freedoms. That's exactly why. That's fucked up. No, that's serial killer narcissism right there. Yeah, that's pretty much serial killer thought process is he's like, I mean, if he would have seen me, I would have killed him. Yeah. No big deal. In his How old mind, was, was his son at the time? Uh, like, I mean, I would say between, he probably started between five and ten when he was, like, taking him. It's honestly surprising that a kid of, you know, between the ages of five and ten was staying asleep the whole time in a car. I think he would drive him around. Like, he knew he was one of those kids that would, like, sleep in the car. You know, how oh, there's yeah, those yeah, certain yeah. kids. I have one of those, yes. Yeah. That sleep he falls in the asleep car, from no here what. to the grocery store. It's like yeah. five seconds away. And yeah. I feel like maybe that's how Gary's son was, is like he fell asleep in the car really easy. So he was just like, I'll drive him until... There was one of the girls that he killed after attending his son's birthday party, and his son was in the back seat. They had just left his son's birthday party. So wow. fucked up. Just like Judith, Gary's son had no idea his father was a monster, though. 
that used him to lure women to their death. When asked by investigators after his father's arrest what kind of father Gary was, his son said he was norm he was a normal one. There was he said he would play ball with him. They would go camping together in Washington and Oregon. They rode bikes together in the park. He played with him. So to his son, they had a, a great, normal, ra- relationship. great relationship. Again, he was just as blindsided as everybody else when Gary started confessing. He had no fucking clue his dad was using him when he was a kid. What an insane thing to learn about your father when you're older. Like, yeah, I don't know how much that would like fuck me up. Like, and I don't know how I would really, respond to some kind of news like that. And nobody really knows how much it has fucked up Gary Ridgway's son either because he's kind of like went into hiding. Recluse. Like, yeah. Like, I don't blame him. Me I don't either. either, because I'm sure a million people in the world would be like, oh my oh, god. All the psychologists in the world probably want to talk to him. And not only that, all the freaking weirdo fangirls that are obsessed with serial killers. Yeah. When asked about the years he seemed to have stopped killing, Gary said from 92 to 95, I didn't do many killings because I was in Amway. So he his job had moved him to a different spot like he wasn't at the same spot right by the SeaTac strip so it uh-huh. wasn't like on his way home gotcha and he said he had been going to church a lot and you know just he was really busy he didn't have time to kill that was his reason I just didn't have time it was inconvenient for me unlike Robert Hansen who made his deal with police to try to save his family the embarrassment of what he had done, Gary Ridgway made his deal only to save his own life. He gave no two flying shits how it affected his wife, his son, his brothers. He didn't give a fuck. Yeah. But if you remember, Robert Hansen was like, the only way I'm agreeing to this is if you get my family out of here. Right. And my kids don't have to be involved in this. So... He was given 49 life sentences, also 10 years per victim for tampering with evidence. That's pretty much, you know, him going back to bodies afterwards. So besides the 49 life sentences, he got 490 extra years on top of those. So a a lot of time. Uh, a life sentence plus 10 years per victim. Yes. And it blows my mind that they even made this deal with him because Ted Bundy damn near begged for the deal of life in prison without parole if he confessed. And they were pretty much like, no, fuck you. Not even going to entertain the idea. And he killed like, 18 to 25 women. Gary Ridgway is literally believed to have killed 90 to 100. And you're just like, yeah, like in a five year time span. Different state. It is. It's because he, Ted Bundy was in Florida and Florida sees all the crazy shit anyway. Gary, like, Gary Ridgway was in Washington. Yeah, which is where Bundy should have just stayed. Yeah. He tried. Remember, he. He tried to avoid the places with the death penalty. 
I'm not sympathizing with Ted Bundy, just so we're aware. Although he was only charged with the murders of 49 women, he confessed, I'm sorry, it wasn't 73, it was 71. After his initial confessions, Gary has remained completely silent. So since 2003, he won't speak to press he won't do interviews he won't talk to anyone he sits by himself just waiting out his waiting out his life sentences currently he is rotting away in the washington state penitentiary he is in solitary confinement and is only allowed visits with his legal team and immediate family he spends 23 hours a day in his cell And it is said he does not talk very much. He declines all interviews, like I said. He will not reply to letters from random people, so don't even try. He just throws them away, apparently. Doesn't even read them. Gary is kept in solitary confinement, not because of him as a person. It's for his own protection? for his own safety. Yeah. Because he is in the state where he was convicted of killing 49 women. If any of their family members are in prison with him, he would be murdered. So Which, I mean, would that be a bad thing, though? Yeah, well, Just they saying. can't legally do that. So some people who have gotten to speak to him say he now has remorse for what he did. There are even claims that he wanted any money made from his story... To go to his victims' families. But I'm going to leave you with what was said by the prosecution after interviewing Gary for five months during his confessions. Okay? This is what the prosecuting attorney had to say. In the five months of interviews, he displayed no empathy for his victims and expressed no remorse. He killed because he wanted to. He killed because he could. He killed to satisfy his evil and unfathomable desires. And that is the end. I could see that. He wow. sounds like the type of asshat. I think asshat is a, is a good, good adjective for this guy. Yeah, and I... I honestly don't feel as though he has real remorse. He just is like, fuck, now I'm in prison. Yeah. And like. Like a child. And I was finally. You're not mad you did it. You're mad you got caught. Exactly. And he was probably like, I was finally like living my best life. I had stopped doing all of that. Yeah. Like. I had. Because he was 52 when he got caught. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Getting close to retirement age. He had had spent all that time at Kenworth for fucking nothing, my guy. Absolutely fucking nothing, homie. Good. You wasted your motherfucking life painting semi-trucks for fucking nothing. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, let us know. Leave a review. Leave five stars. Share it with your your friends, your family, your coworkers, whoever. And uh, don't forget to check out the Patreon. Does anyone have any final thoughts? No. No. All right. We'll see y'all back next week. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye.